0: Hello and welcome to Star or Not, the podcast where we choose a famous individual and talk about their first starring role on the big screen. I'm Doug, and I'm here with Ben.
1: Hey, Doug. It's exciting to get back into it again.
0: Yeah, we've uh, we've been gone for a while, but we're back, and we're back to review UHF, starring Weird Al Yankovic. Now, I grew up with Weird Al. He's a big part of my childhood. He was my one of my first concerts I had ever seen. In fact, he was the first concert I had ever been to. How familiar are you with uh, Weird Al Yankovic? Um,
1: I'd say pretty familiar. It's not like I've listened to all his music or anything like that. But um, I remember as a kid, kind of like you, early exposure to him. He was actually one of the first cassette tapes. Like, that's how old we're getting. Cassette tapes that had... Anything music-related was on. So that was pretty cool. And anyone under
0: the age of 25, uh, that was what we used to listen to before CDs. They were rectangular, and you'd put a pencil in it to fix the tape on the inside. I'll explain (laughs) what tape is some other time, but uh, continue.
1: Yeah, uh, no, it's really on that point, like saying the 25 and under people don't get it. Um, Like, we were barely in the cassette age uh, we weren't in it very long before it was, yeah, it went to CDs right after that. But
0: Yeah, CDs were around when we were younger. They were just a little bit more expensive. If you were an older teenager, you had CDs. But if you were a little kid in the early 90s, you had exactly. And I showed
1: this um, to some of my students, actually, just to see how they were. There was a, a couple of them who knew who Weird Al was. There's a couple who actually, like, they grew up clearly in the wrong era. They, they're more as f- familiar with our generation of, like, uh, pop culture as we are, which is kind of cool. But the rest of them are like, what the hell is this? Like, I'm playing Eat It, and they're like, what what the hell's going on?
0: What about the newer stuff? Because he's, he's still around. In fact, I just saw him in concert a few months ago.
1: That had to be a blast. I can't say I've listened to him enough, but I still respect the hell out of him.
0: His concerts are great. So... He doesn't do it anymore. Now his concerts are a little bit more low-key. His older concerts, he would dress up in a different costume for every song he did. And like in between each song, there would be like a skit playing while he'd be changing costumes. It was great. But uh, yeah, his newer shows, there's no costume changes, but that makes time for a lot more music from him, which is also a good thing. He's an extremely talented man, brilliant songwriter.
1: He's a genius. I mean, it's such a simple concept, but he... Hit on it early and just ran with it. He just took songs that are coming out like top forty type tunes and just nailed them with satire. And you could tell it's it's definitely influenced a lot after that. Like even I'm sure a band like Steel Panther would look back at Weird Al and be and they'd be it some, somewhat of an influence from that. You know, I look currently there's Electric Callboy, who I know I've shared a few of their songs. And they're, they're metal, but they, they're clearly don't take themselves seriously. And a lot of what they're doing is satire. So he's, I think he's touched like everything. It's hard to say, like I'd say across genres, there's, it's hard to find people that wouldn't at least enjoy Weird Al.
0: He's, and the thing about him too, he's, he's family friendly. He doesn't swear. There's not a lot of, um, nothing sexual in his songs, his songs are very dark. Some of them are about, you know, death and in, in a in a it's like dark humor. It's it's funny, but there's the songs can be very violent. This Des- descriptive like The Night Santa Went Crazy is a very violent song. There's even a, an extra gory version which I don't, it's, it's it has a line Santa Claus is dead. I don't know if he had to remove that from the album. He released it on one of his like uh, imports. But uh yeah, it's some very very funny songs and uh I still enjoy him, and I enjoyed his movie, UHF, from 1989.
1: 100% enjoyed watching this one again. It clearly wasn't our first time seeing it, but we were looking at it with a more critical eye this time. Um, So I'm I'm definitely curious to hear some of your takes on it as we go through.
0: Yeah, this is a movie I loved as a child. I think I first saw it when I was eight. But there are some movies I liked as a kid that, don't Hold Up, for example, like Good Burger is one, Space Jam is another, the second Ninja Turtles movie. I don't know. I just don't enjoy them as much as an adult as I did when I was a kid. But this one I still enjoy. Yeah, so it came out... The release date was July 21st of 1989. It came out at the same time as Ghostbusters 2, Indiana Jones, and The Last Crusade, Batman, Karate Kid 3, and a ton of other big name movies. So... It was pretty much buried by those right. other films. Oh, and No Holds Barred, which I don't put—I don't put No Holds Barred in the same category, but it, it came out the same summer.
1: Right. At least this movie—it made its money back. Yeah, the budget was around five, so it made its money back. Which, at the end of the day, is what they're hoping to do.
0: Um, it was not received well by critics. Of
1: course not. What did Roger Ebert say, the old Ebert man? He doesn't like Tommy Boy, so I don't really take his cr- critique seriously. Tommy Boy's great. What do you like about Tommy Boy? He also liked Tomb Raider. Ugh. But
0: Roger Ebert said uh, he did not like this movie. He said it was routine, predictable, and dumb, and he did not laugh. But it was actually pretty funny. There was like a clip I found on YouTube of him reviewing this film from 1989 on his show. And the, the scene they show is uh, the man licking a turtle and throwing it up to the ceiling. <laughs> they chose that scene out of all scenes. <laughs> and not too many people know this, but the turtle is also nature's suction cup. Watch this.
1: Do you see that? It stinks. Huh? Of course.
0: So Weird Al is the star of the film. He also, he's also the co-writer. He co-wrote the film with the director, Jay Levy, or Levy? I think it's Levy. David Lewis was a cinematographer for this film, but he was a cinematographer on Chairman of the Board.
1: I I bet the board is spelled B-O-R-E-D.
0: So the first scene was great. It's a parody of Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, even though Last Crusade was the film that was in theaters. I thought this was a pretty funny parody. What do you think?
1: I agree. Like, it hits you with the satire right away. Um, Just like his music, you're just slammed with goofiness ripping off ripping off a film uh the much more popular Indiana Jones clearly but it's just ridiculous like the whip just knocking the guy's arm off was <laughs> the highlight
0: <laughs> or the guy getting hit by the train <laughs> <laughs> you can tell like this movie is if if his songs were a movie it would be this there's nothing offensive okay there's some things that some jokes that may not age well right for example the the supplies joke supplies! I feel like it it wasn't meant to be mean, but it, I don't know. It's, I don't think it would. I don't think they'd be able to make that joke in films nowadays.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like a lot of it it's not exactly not terrible, but not even PC as it stands now. Yeah, nothing too terrible. There's some movies from back then that are
0: way worse. This first scene with Indiana Jones, the se- the part I always laughed at as a kid was when he's doing all like when he uh sees the uh the Oscar and he's like
1: being all cautious with the sand and all that and then he just like forget this and just grabs it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, I know. And it's that whole part is just ridiculous and all like the 15 stop signs that are all in the way <laughs> and, and it, it dragged a little bit at one point I thought, but maybe that was the point of it. Like in space Falls yeah. when they show the spaceship like just coasting for like 5 <laughs> minutes Okay, um, doing
0: Dun-dun. I love that scene, (laughs) spaceballs.
1: And then I think, (laughs) and you could just tell what the film thought of its own self, like its own perspective, by the fact that Weird Al is trying to grab is an Oscar, I think, or an Academy Award. I never know what the trophies look like, but it's clearly he knows like this isn't happening, but he's he's going for it anyway. We never should have fired George Newman because he's got imagination.
0: so we, f- we find out the whole Indiana Jones thing is a daydream. The main character's name is George Newman. He's a very creative daydreamer, but in real life he's a loser. Yep. He works at uh, Burger World, which I'm pretty sure is the name of the fast food place from Beavis and Butthead. The Burger, Burger World. World. <laughs> <Promise> <laughs> Land. That's it. Stop in today. We're it's supposed to, like, go to work.
1: Fried. <laughs> that sucks.
0: I've always wanted to try a Twinkie Wiener sandwich. I don't know about you. A uh,
1: Twinkie? I
0: don't know about that, but... I don't know. It's something, I just... I look at it, I'm like, maybe that's good. Uh, You know, it's a Twinkie, a hot dog, and cheese whiz.
1: I just don't really like Twinkies. Weird Al,
0: uh, he ate... A Twinkie wiener sandwich! ...during the movie, but he does not eat them anymore because he's a vegetarian. So he can eat the Twinkie and the cheese whiz, but it's not the hot dog. (laughs) And I want to talk to you about the character Terry, who plays George's girlfriend. Uh, She's played by Victoria Jackson, an uh, SNL alum. yes. But she is batshit crazy, I don't know if you knew that. She seems to be, she's obsessed with convincing people that Barack Obama is a communist. This is like 10 years ago. She wrote a song called There's a Communist Living in the White House. It's really terrible.
1: I bite my lip a lot and fidget with the buttons on my blouse. Why? Because there's a communist living in the White House. That sucks.
0: There's a clip on Fox News from, like, over a decade ago.
1: I think Obama is a communist, and my husband said, don't use that word, say radical or Marxist, but, um, you know, Karl Marx wrote the book The Communist Manifesto, so I don't see why people are afraid to say the word communist, because Stop I've that. done a lot of research, and I read the book 1984 by George Orwell twice, Stop and... I was walking through the airport and every magazine had Obama's picture on it. Every one. Stop and I turned on the TV and every channel had him on it. And it's like uh, Castro in Cuba or uh, uh, the guy in China, uh, the, the, uh, Saddam Hussein. Jackson, like
0: and she says something she read in 1984 and she compares Barack Obama to Fidel Castro and that guy from China. Her words, that guy from China. Which one? Which, which guy from China? There are over like a billion people in China and... Over half a billion of them are guys from China. so, <laughs> And I checked her Twitter, too, uh, of what she recently tweeted. And it seems like she hasn't really changed. It's exactly what you would expect from someone like that. A lot of uh, Trump and anti-vaccine
1: posts. Gotcha. Probably thinks the election was rigged and whatnot. Oh, yeah.
0: I didn't go through all of these. I knew all those tweets were going to be just tweets you've seen from other people who are like her.
1: I just saw right away, like, especially when it, whether it came to Terry or dealing with Bob, but just the overdramatic acting of Weird Al early on, the emotional stuff was very overdone, which I think was done on, clearly done on purpose.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's a scene where he's, like, crying. He's like, pick up
1: the phone, pick up the phone. But that was, like,
0: funny. I don't think that was meant to be, like, serious. I I love the... the, There's a scene later on where he's, like, really depressed when he's hosting that kid's show. Mm -hmm. He does a really good job at playing a depressed person.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure.
0: Weird Al actually said something funny about the character Uncle Harvey. So Uncle Harvey wins the UHF channel, U62, in a poker game, and he asks uh, his nephew, um, George, played by Weird Al, to run it. Weird Al described the actor Stanley Brock... He was looking for Danny DeVito, but taller and cheaper. <laughs> Which I think is pretty funny.
1: <laughs> Definitely cheap Danny DeVito. Say again. Not really a
0: lot to say about Uncle Harvey. He's just kind of like the stereotypical, like, gruff, gambling, bald, fat guy who you've seen in a bunch of films. Uh, that's pretty yeah. much it. Fran Drescher's in this movie. She looks really good, and this is prior to The Nanny.
1: I really like her in this. This is a perfect role for her just doing that. And uh, what I like too, is they just didn't make her out to be like they do in a lot of movies. We see where it's very gender, gender stereotyped, like the movie you're trying to get behind friend Rusher and becoming a reporter the whole time, even though she's getting knocked down by all those like macho insecure men, which is a hundred even relevant now to, in a lot of cases, but even for its time, it was a little ahead of its time. Broads don't belong in broadcasting. Broads don't belong in broadcasting? Is that the kind of professional courtesy you teach your news department? Why, that's just terrible. I don't know how many times I've told those boys never call chicks
0: broads. That's not the way you talk to a broad, you understand? Have you seen The Sopranos?
1: Oh, in like bits and pieces.
0: Yeah, that that head uh, thug guy is, uh, he plays Richie Aprile, who's like one of the main villains in earlier seasons of The Sopranos. Okay. But we can see that there's like some very random like non-sequitur jokes in this movie. The first one I can really think of, besides the daydream, is there's just a commercial of this guy, Crazy Ernie. And it's just like, buy this car, I'm going to club this baby seal. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't advance the plot or any, have anything to do with the plot at all. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like like Family Guy or like Robot Chicken. But I feel like most of them are pretty funny. Most of these kind of one-off jokes, these non-sequiturs.
1: Oh, yeah, it's like a third of the movie, at least, is a lot of that nonsense. And it's great.
0: Yeah. I bet Roger Ebert, that's, that probably pissed him off watching this movie. He's just like, oh, what's this have to do with anything? This is stupid and nonsensical or whatever he said. But... So,
1: so there was a quote, and I don't remember where it was, but I wrote it down just because it, was, it made me laugh. Something about working the job at the, the TV station. But he said, oh, it's like, Working at a fish market, except you don't clean or gut any fish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the first thing about what goes on at a television station. Don't worry, Bob. It's just like working in a fish market. Except you don't have to clean and gut
0: fish all day. One of the things I love most about this film is the villain, played by Kevin McCarthy, R.J. Fletcher. Mm-hmm. He's just a great over-the-top villain. Star of Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1956. Pretty, like, established actor. He's great. He has, like, a great evil... Evil laugh. He's just a complete asshole. Yeah, but he's just so lovable. He's like uh, I put him in the category of like Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore, just or like Biff from Back to the Future. Just a really unlikable yet lovable villain.
1: Yeah, and again, a lot of it's very overdone, which is also Mm -hmm. great about the whole thing.
0: Then we have John Paragon playing uh, RJ's son, who's just. dad he's just like this suck up rich boy but he's like 40 years old dad his dad's like a complete asshole to him all the time
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> because
0: he gave him a, a pencil that wasn't a number two pencil he's like yelling <laughs> at him he uh his son bought him a, a a watch that was not a rolex on father's day
1: <laughs> happy father's day dad <laughs> what is this piece of crap i thought i told you i wanted a rolex
0: a Rolex! <laughs> the actor John Paragon, he played John B. the genie in uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse.
1: Yeah, he's he's like an overgrown eight year old, basically very whiny. Yeah,
0: Dad, I, I love that. He kind of reminds me of Donald Trump Jr. a little bit.
1: <laughs> <sighs> that's very true.
0: Every time I see him, like I always just think of Dad. I bet that's how he like he talks to his, <laughs> his father. Uh, one of my other favorite characters in this film, who pretty much like he takes over the film, is Michael Richards. Playing Stanley Spadowski.
1: Yeah, Stanley Spadowski is Kramer. Like, it's yeah. almost the same character.
0: Yeah, he has like the same mannerisms and everything. Yep. He's so great with physical comedy, Michael Richards. Yep. I think most of his lines in this film were ad libs and improvised. I could see that. There's one line that just, I don't know why he says it, it's just really funny. He's, uh, I think it was just him improvising. He's like eating a watermelon and he's just like, it tastes like poo. <laughs>
1: No idea why he says it, but it's just, it's so funny. Yeah, and then they fire him, of course, which, of course, he is because the guy's an idiot and misplaced his folder. So mm-hmm. and so Stanley <laughs> gets fired for that.
0: There's a lot of like odd characters in this film. They're all great, though. Like, there's Cooney, who lives right above George. Throughout the entire film, even outside of his karate dojo, he wears a karate gi at all times. Yeah. Which I just find that pretty funny. Mm -hmm. There's Emo Phillips, who I actually saw open for Weird Al. He's a comedian. He did like a little stand-up at Weird Al's (laughs) concert. He plays the shop teacher who cuts his thumb off. Okay. (laughs) But he talks like this, and he, during his stand-up, he does that voice the entire time. Uh, I don't know if that's how he talks in real life, but he did that voice the entire set.
1: Wow. I'm going to guess probably not, but... Who knows? I guess he's
0: been doing that voice for thirty-three years now. Wow! <laughs> his scene is the only reason this movie got a PG-13 rating, with him cutting his thumb off. Because there's no like, it's PG-13, but there's no swearing in the film, nothing sexual. So I think it's just like kind of like his songs, no swearing, nothing sexual, but violent as hell.
1: Yep, yeah, there was a sexual, like a little bit of sexual innuendo at one point. That was it. It worked in. The, the spot just because of the reference it was making when we get to that i'll bring it up okay i don't know
0: which one you're i don't know which one that is but i'll probably i'll probably remember once you bring it up it's one
1: it was like a segment i totally forgot was part of the movie and i just died laughing at the whole time um it was not pc at all maybe it was just in an extended version they maybe cut at one point but it's pretty good now do you remember after the guy's fingers are cut off the cameraman's face oh yeah his eyes just get real big uh. <laughs> the,
0: th- the one of my favorite parts of that cameraman later on in the film when they're doing the telethon there's just a guy yodeling <laughs> upside down and the cameraman just drinking out of a pot of coffee yep. like drinking just out of the pot
1: yeah again the guy says like nothing the entire movie but the physical comedy is great yeah
0: <laughs> And then there's a scene where they uh, introduce the new U62 television shows. There's a show called Practical Jokes and Bloopers. And you just see, they, like, he trips an old woman. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the camera just zooms in on him. He just, like, shrugs his shoulders. <laughs> He's like, oh, whatever. Right. I love that.
1: <laughs> oh, how about, are you, did you buy any spatulas after watching this movie?
0: I mean, that uh, Spatula City, Spatula City. <laughs> Heck, yeah. I, I love how when they show Spatula City, you just see, like... Ton, you see, like, hundreds of people running into
1: this building just for specials. I, I love that. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, the commercials are the best. And then you have, I think it was shortly after that, you have that Bobo the Clown who... Oh, yeah. Gets hit. Laura Laura hates clowns, so she didn't love that section very much, but she did enjoy him getting hit with a frying pan.
0: <laughs> um, Funny, he actually busted his lip. He actually hit him with a frying pan. I guess he got too close to him and... Yeah, the actor uh, who plays Bob, who is the clown, he actually busted his lip. See, the thing is with Uncle Nutsy's Clubhouse is, if I were a kid in the audience, I would find it hilarious if a man was beating up a clown with a frying pan. But they're bored. They're bored throughout the entire thing. I, like, I'd find that hilarious. Like, What kid doesn't like a little slapstick violence like that? Oh, I know. Yeah, there's
1: so much of it.
0: The one scene I cannot watch is when the kid spits in his face. That spit just grosses me out, and I cannot watch that scene.
1: Yeah, it's it's disgusting. I think it was right after that, too, they did a... I think it was a quick ad for for the NRA, and it's almost an accurate portrayal of the NRA. The guy just says, guns don't kill people, I kill people. I think John LeJoie might have stolen that from this movie, but it works. (laughs) (laughs)
0: And he makes like that weird face. I, that guy's like from the Ernest movies, I think.
1: Guns don't kill people,
0: ah. The one part of the movie I did not like is the music video, which is a parody of uh, "Money for Nothing" by Dire Straits. It's the entire music video.
1: I I was I even took note of that myself just because it's so cringy. Uh, the song yeah. isn't bad. Like, the song itself, yeah. don't mind it at all, music video. I don't like the original music video, so it's just, mm-hmm. just as cringy, but I'm sure that was probably a big part of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just like, the song isn't really that funny. It's based on a really crappy television show. You probably would have had to, been of a certain age, to know the Beverly Hillbillies.
1: Well, George had fallen asleep when that music video came in his head fell asleep at work, and mm-hmm. then he was supposed to meet Terry for dinner with her parents, mm-hmm. and then you get to see that lovely mm-hmm. dress that Terry wears um, <laughs> to the restaurant. Like, that's... I don't know if they did that on purpose. I think they might have done that ridiculously on purpose.
0: It's weird because Terry's supposed to be kind of like the straight man in the movie. She doesn't have, like, a lot of funny lines. Like, she's just supposed to be, like, the normal character in this crazy world. But. Right. Yeah, putting her in that goofy dress was just kind of out of character for her, I think. Mm -hmm. So by the way, so I had an old television when I was a little kid, and I remember it having the UHF dial on it. Did you ever have like one of those old televisions?
1: Yeah, black and white one.
0: Yeah, it never worked. Like I always saw UHF, (laughs) but you like switch it to UHF, and like nothing would happen. But I looked it up so because I wasn't really sure. So it stands for ultra high frequency. And it was like prior to cable, you can get you can like gain access to other TV stations outside of four or five, you know, like the common ones, like your NBC affiliates, your CBS affiliates, yeah. And you get like a local channel, some weird local channel, like U sixty two, where you can get stay fit with Mike and Spike and Bowling for Burgers and Strip Solitaire and all those crazy shows.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was a couple that showed up around where I grew up in the Buffalo area, and I feel like one was. 67, for some reason, like UHF 67, there was a mix of just random infomercials and mm-hmm. um a little bit of like older shows that would pop up there. And now you have a string of uh just really random segment show segments as well as commercials. You have the Wheel of Fish, <laughs> which is just so dumb. Stop
0: it apparently they use real fish for that too they actually went to a fish market and got real fish to put on that wheel
1: okay it's like working in a fish market except you don't have to clean and gut fish all day
0: okay i can't imagine that smelling awful all that is brutal i can i can already tell a scene that you that you probably found hilarious as i know your humor it was when during stanley spadowski's clubhouse when the uh when the little kid drank from the fire hose,
1: <laughs> yeah, love that. <laughs> I love that scene every freaking time. It's it's so simple, but it is the again. It's just so ridiculous.
0: It's another thing. Most of that stuff, Michael Richards improvised. Adley mostly
1: everything in that scene. That in Rao's Wild Kingdom. Oh yeah, is also for the time like for now definitely not PC, but mm-hmm. it's it's just so ridiculous and stupid that it's funny. Like it's more shock yeah. laughter than anything. Like South Park, like it's it's mostly shock yeah. laughter because like no one's gonna. Well, I shouldn't say no one. People are stupid, but like a guy who's like throwing turtles up into the ceiling, like the scene you mentioned, <laughs> and then the throwing the do- teaching the dogs how to fly, and there's just a pile of dogs <laughs> on the ground.
0: <laughs> so do you know there's a really sad story about the actor? Who plays uh, Raul? He was killed during while they were shooting the film. Oh, that's he was terrible. killed by a drunk driver, and there were more. He was supposed to be in the movie. Like there's supposed to be more scenes with him. Uh, he was the delivery driver. There's like a very there's like a very short scene with him uh, delivering badgers, and they have like the we don't need no stinking badgers. Mm-hmm. There was a lot more with him in it, but they obviously couldn't film him film it because he passed away.
1: It's oh, terrible.
0: The character Philo I mentioned earlier. Uh, they were originally looking to cast Joel Hodgson. From Mystery Science Theater three thousand, okay. which uh, plans fell through, but that would have been very interesting. Having Weird Al fans and Mystery Science Theater three thousand fans
1: like coming together because I like, feel like they're very the fans are very similar. Oh yeah, bunch of nerds, which is fine. I'm a nerd, so I can say that. Oh yeah, the the Weird
0: Al concerts. There, those some of the some of the nerdiest people I think you'll ever meet.
1: <laughs> oh, I I believe it, but it's great. Yeah, there, Then there's Conan the Librarian which is just, oh, God. You know, <laughs> again, ridiculous. Don't you know the Dewey Deadpool system?
0: <laughs> I love when he cuts like that screech looking guy in half. Yep, <laughs> His books are a little overdue and he's like
1: <sighs> It's the face he makes. He's Conan the Librarian. Oh, it's the part you were talking about. I wrote it down and I'm so glad I did because he mentioned it where he's like, this tastes like poop. He says, Watermelon tastes like poop. Tastes like
0: yeah. <laughs> tastes like poop. Like
1: why is he, he talking about watermelon?
0: Like watermelon tastes good. <laughs> There's a scene uh, earlier where RJ the, the villain he's talking to a guy with one of like those goofy like raccoon tail hats. He's like he tells the guy's like take that ridiculous thing off. Mm-hmm. And the guy instead of taking his hat off, just takes his mustache off. <laughs> Really dumb, but just I find that scene hilarious.
1: No, that part's great. That
0: scene where Stanley's saying, like, when he's eating the watermelon, there's a part where he, like, puts his hand inside, like, a cereal box to look for a toy. (laughs) And he just says, Don't let your uh, mom uh, know that you do this. Uh, I love that. (laughs) It's the worst thing to say on a kid's show. (laughs) Yep. Don't let your mom know you do this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Once uh, George and Bob get the ball rolling and get all the shows, you know, get all their ideas together, they have a wall of all the shows. And I actually paused it to go through all of them. There's Name That Stain, <laughs> The Young and the Dyslexic, probably wouldn't be acceptable in a film nowadays for no. that joke, Wonderful World of Phlegm,
1: I remember that one,
0: Leave It to Bigfoot, <laughs> My Three Mutants, Dog Racing from Rio de Janeiro, Wide World of Tractor Pulls, Beat the Lone Shark, The Lice is Right, ion <laughs> <laughs> Toxic Waste, I like this one. Buddha Knows Best, <laughs> You Bet Your Pink Slip, The Flying Pope, which I think is a take on The Flying Nun, the, the failed Sally Field show, before Sally oh, Field okay. was famous. Okay, That's disgusting. And Bestiality Today.
1: <laughs> I remember Bestiality Today. They do have some subtle sexual in, in, in you in, in that film. But like nothing, yeah. It's I feel like it's stuff that you don't notice first time you watch.
0: Yeah, yeah. As a, as an eight-year-old, I wouldn't have noticed this thing in the background saying bestiality today, and even if I did, I wouldn't have no idea what bestiality was, so bet that went over most kids' heads
1: at the time. Oh, and the next part is very predictable, where Harvey's in the pool and he gets called by that mob guy about his, his losses, so he yeah, owes like the 50 grand or whatever that is, and that part was pretty predictable. Mm-hmm. Like you'd expect there to yeah. be some type of problem in the film. And so it's super simple. It's nothing super mm-hmm. complex. but
0: See, I always get that character confused with the, the, the big executive from Wayne's World. I was like, I always think his name is Mr. Big. but I'm like, oh. they, they haven't mentioned his name. And I was like, oh, Mr. Big is from Wayne's World. That's right. Because mm-hmm. it's like the mysterious rich guy who you don't really see his face. I think in Wayne's World you eventually see him at the end, but yep. throughout most of the film you just see like his hand or his foot or something like that. Uh-huh. There's a lot of, some jokes don't really age well because they're very stuck in the time. For example, there's a a joke about Geraldo Rivera uh, talk show. Trash TV was very big back then. You know, they would have, like, Nazis and Klansmen on these shows. And on Town Talk with George, he has a Nazi, a Klansman, a dominatrix, a Girl Scout, and a Jason Voorhees-type character wielding an axe. And then they all just fight each other.
1: Yep, yeah, and that's the scene I was talking about that I was going to mention later because... Because it came up when you mentioned the new sex-related humor there was. But he does say, like, right at the beginning of that segment, real quick, when he's out in the audience, like, with the people, it's like, sex with furniture, what do you think? He says that to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Jerry Springer.
0: I think Jerry Springer was a few years later. So I think the trash TV at this point, it was Phil Donahue and Geraldo. And there's a scene where he gets hit with a chair, and I believe... That actually happened to Geraldo Rivera. Someone threw a chair at him. I believe that. And that's why at the end of that scene, George is just covered with bandages in very comical fashion. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I love... So, Stanley Spadowski's Clubhouse. I love the sign for the show because it's just like... It just says, like, Stanley Spadowski's Clubhouse, and in the middle is just a picture of Michael Richards' face. He's like... Yeah. His mouth is just like a gape.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's his resting face the entire film.
0: The telethon scene... I love all this, the random acts that happen. One of my favorites is the guys. Just <inaudible> <inaudible> oh, the okay. two men with massive prosthetic chins. Yep. I have no idea what the hell they're doing, but they're just making noises and dancing around with umbrellas. Um, I have a very fun fact about one of one of those guys is married to Bed Bedler. <inaudible> So Philo, did you notice when he goes back to outer space when he reveals his alien face? Did that seem a little familiar to you? Like the special effects? Did it look similar to another film? Reminded me of Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Large Marge. Yeah, that's it. Was the Kyoto Brothers? They did the special effects for that scene. So as a child, I saw them like, "What the hell is that?" I was like, "Pretty scary." Seeing that as a kid, because like that's the only moment in the film where they use like special effects like that. Like the movie's not grounded to real life in any way, but. <laughs> That's like the only supernatural moment in the film that I could think of.
1: Right. And you can kind of tell what, and we even mentioned it when we were watching Chairman of the Board. I feel like we kind of felt like it was just a really sad way to recreate a field film like either Pee-wee's Big Adventure or UHF, something like that. And it sounds like there's some crossover from a production standpoint between UHF and Chairman of the Board. Obviously, Chairman of the Board was... Like a dog shit movie This movie's stupid as hell But it's that zaniness Yeah the jokes are clever Yeah the jokes are clever They're just so I love unexpected humor That just Like you don't You don't expect it coming Whereas Chairman of the Board Is just fart jokes Which A fart joke here and there Sure I'll laugh But The whole movie just Yeah Was stupid obviously Like in not a good way
0: You didn't like the bullshit? No
1: I don't think it's so, so
0: so dumb. <laughs> the, the one thing with Chairman of the Board did that this movie does not do is Chairman of the Board would rely on the stupid like or, or, or the stupid goofy clown music. Yep. Which this movie didn't have any of that. It would just just had a regular movie score.
1: Chairman of the Board was filmed, I believe, late 90s. Going into maybe 2000. And it looked like a movie that was trying to come from like the time Jeff came out. And it just yet yeah. was not working at all some create some producers can get away with going almost like back in time in a way like stranger things for example they said it in the 80s it works but they're trying to do that and just failing miserably at it plus carrot Top doesn't help but
0: I, I think with with chairman of the board i just feel like there were jokes that were meant to be in like 1993, even though the movie came out in 98, like the Beavis and Butthead joke, that was meant to be in a movie from like, 93, when Beavis and Butthead was popular. And there's like, oh, let's let's just use it anyway, who cares? Mm-hmm. We don't have any other jokes, so let's just throw this Beavis and Butthead joke in there. It's five years too late, but whatever. Yeah. So this film has a lot of really odd deleted scenes. I don't know if you've seen them. They're on YouTube and they're on the UHF DVD. The UHF DVD was very hard to find back in the uh, early 2000s and the age before YouTube. I wanted this DVD so bad just to get... There's like 20 minutes of deleted scenes, and some of the deleted scenes, one of them is Michael Richards' uh, character putting his hand in a meat grinder. There's the shop teacher. Uh, after he cuts his thumb off, he puts the severed thumb in his mouth and just continues the show that he's on and acting as if nothing's wrong. It's pretty gross. Th- this I actually found funny. There's a deleted character, a news anchor, keeps getting interrupted by the uh, by the fat camera guy. <laughs> <laughs> He, like, eats chips and burps, and he just, like, storms off the set. It's pretty funny. And then one of the strangest things out of all these deleted scenes, there's a subplot with the head thug, the Richie April from The Sopranos, has a fear of bugs. And it leads to a scene where him and the other thugs are driving, and they grab a briefcase, which I believe they think is the money the station is trying to raise. But instead he grabs a a, a suitcase full of bugs, and then it causes them to crash their car and guess they die because it shows them like jerking the car off the road but they probably just didn't film any scene of them dying if you want to get the dvd or just look them up on youtube all the deleted scenes they're just they're worth watching they're just some of them are
1: very strange okay i guess in a way like sometimes you go back and watch deleted scenes it's like uh, they maybe could have left that in but like most of those of what at least you're describing, it's probably a good thing they left them out. I just don't think they would have... They would have been... I, um, like, this movie's random as it is. Like, this would have been... I think that would have made it even more over-the-top and just disgusting for being... The sake of being disgusting. And I think that just wouldn't have brought... It, it. The film barely made its money back. So it probably would have done worse with stuff like that in it.
0: Speaking of disgusting... There's a scene that I always thought was a booger. So you know when they're showing the U62 promo and they're showing like Strip Solitaire and Mike and Spike and all that? Mm -hmm. There's a scene where Michael Richards, he actually pulls a a straw wrapper out of his nose. And for the longest time as a kid, I thought it was a booger and it always grossed me out. And even watching it today, I still see him pulling just a huge booger out of his nose.
1: Did you know that was a straw wrapper? Because I did not know. I'm trying to remember that scene, and I probably blocked it out thinking it was a burger. A b- burger. A booger. <laughs> <laughs> burger. <laughs> Unless you have anything else I'm ready to get into, whether Weird Al is a movie star or not. I mean,
0: I love this movie. I don't know if he could have made another movie, because he... I don't know if... I wouldn't say he plays Weird Al in this film. Well, the weird thing about him, his character, George... George is kind of, he's kind of strange, he's kind of a strange man in this movie, but like once Stanley Spadowski is introduced, the George character kind of becomes a straight man whenever, um, Stanley's around, because Stanley's just like the most insane character in the film. So when he's around George, George has his goofy moments when Stanley's not around, but Stanley just takes over the film. The most memorable scenes in this
1: film involve Michael Richards. Right. I, I'm there with you. Like, I, the movie's so, so much fun, but... I just don't see Weird Al Yankovic as a movie star. And it's more or less because I feel like I've, he's a rock star. Like he has that going for him. You know, for somebody who's taking on a film who's normally not an actor, does fine. He's an okay actor though. Yeah. Like he's not going on to do like Titanic oh, or, yeah. <laughs> or Goodwill Helling or anything that's like a blockbuster like that. He's not doing that at all. He probably oh, no. knows that. I, I think he's pretty self-aware, but when you're Weird Al, he was super successful at the time. You're going to make a friggin' movie. Like, why would you not? Like, why would you just do one and be over with it? Vanilla Ice made a movie. <laughs> right, and I've never heard of it. We're probably going to be watching it at some point. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Oof. Drop that zero and give it the hero. I think that that's
0: it for me. Yeah, so... So that does it for this episode of Star or Not. That was UHF from 1989 starring Weird Al Yankovic. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, I believe we have a Facebook page now too, right? Yeah, we
1: are on Facebook.
0: Yeah, well, I'm hungry, and I think I may go to the store and get the ingredients for a
1: Twinkie Wiener sandwich. <laughs> I don't know about you. Yeah, you enjoy that. I think I'm getting some water, and since it's late, at least in my world, I am going to bed. Well, that's it from me, Doug. And Ben, thanks again. See ya.
0: Be there!